Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for episode number 26 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. I am your host, Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. As a reminder, you can find detailed show notes for this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 26, the number 26. So I am very, very excited about my guest today because Peter Bowerman is got to be one of the most influential mentors in the world of commercial writing. He is an excellent teacher, an excellent coach, and I've personally learned a ton from him. And I have to share a quick story with you. I remember the moment that commercial writing and copywriting became very real for me was directly uh, it directly involved Peter. I had bought his book, The Well-Fed Writer, and I had bought it from Amazon. It had just come in. I had taken it out of the box, and I put it on my dinner table. And I hadn't even looked at it yet, but I was really excited to read it. And my parents were visiting from out of town, and, you know, I was at that point in in my in my career where this is something that I really wanted to do. I was really excited about the prospect of starting my own writing business, but I still had my, um, my full-time day job. And I hadn't really told a lot of people other than my wife about my plans to kind of start this business on the side and grow it to see if it was viable and eventually do this for a living. So I had kind of mentioned it to my dad, but, you know, here he is. He's coming from, from out of town. He saw the book, and my dad is, is an avid reader. So, of course, right away he's flipping through it. He's looking at the table of contents. And I come downstairs, and I see him reading the book, and he shows it to me, and he says, Ed, this is fantastic. And he opens it up to the table of content. And one of the chapters, I remember, like it was yesterday, was titled, $2,000 a month, no problem. And that's the moment when I realized that there's a real opportunity here. For one, the, the idea of earning $2,000 a month, and I think it said $2,000 a month part-time, the idea of earning that kind of money part-time really got me excited. Also, to have my dad pointed out and have my dad immediately recognize the opportunity and in a way kind of validated meant a lot to me. So Peter was really one of my first mentors, indirect mentors in this business, and I'm very, very excited to have him on the show. You know, one of the things that he does extremely well is creating win-win-win scenarios by partnering with freelance designers. And I say win-win-win because not only does he create a situation where you can win, but he does it in a way that both the designer and the client can win. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about how this strategy has added tens of thousands of dollars to Peter's income over the years. He's going to explain how you can contact designers, how you can find them, how you can structure these opportunities so that everybody wins, how you can price your work, and much, much more. So we got a lot to cover. Let's get right to it. I think you're really going to enjoy this talk. All right, so I'm sitting here, well, kind of virtually sitting here with 
Peter Bowerman, author of The Well-Fed Writer, The Well-Fed Writer Series, Well-Fed Self-Publisher, and Freelance Writer Extraordinaire. Peter, it's awesome to have you here. Thanks, Ed. Always good to uh, to hang with you. So yeah, yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't even know if I, if people know this or if I should say it, but you know, Peter and I get together every once in a while and break bread. And Peter has taken me to some of the most exotic restaurants <laughs> in the Atlanta area. I, I definitely pushed the envelope, but hey, you know, Ed, Ed comes from an ethnic background, so you know, he's always open to these things. You know? I know, I know, but you know, it's a, I'd never told you this, but. Um, I've noticed a trend here. So it, it's, it has to be ethnic. It cannot be a chain. Absolutely not. Life's um, too short to eat at chain restaurants. Yeah. And, and, you know, I've noticed some of them have flies. I mean, I don't know if this is like a trend or a pattern. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait do you see the one we're going to? Friday. Uh, yeah. We're yeah, going so to we're... on Friday and it's pretty authentic. So. Yeah, but you know what? That's one thing it's not lacking, right? It's authenticity. That's and, right. This place, this place is clean, really. Really. Serious. I promise. <laughs> I want to see the uh, certificates of cleanliness. <laughs> That's from, right. The health department. The health department, yes. <laughs> I think it's at least a 50, 55. Oh, gosh. So this is, you know, so we uh, um, we haven't caught up in a while, so um, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be fun to do that. But today we're going to be talking about forming relationships with designers and what that's about. What um, what you can gain from from these partnerships, why they make sense, and how you can find designers that um, that you can partner with. And and Peter, the reason I wanted to, to to bring Peter in for this is he's been doing this for a long time, and he has really perfected the art and science of this. And uh, he's got a unique way of doing it. It's a proven method. If he can even call it that. Um, but um, anyway, he's really profited from it, and I wanted him to share some of these insights with you. So um, let's start by talking about um, how this whole idea came about, Peter, because I, I think you said you started doing this years ago. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and as much as I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, kind of counter a little bit of what you said in that uh, this kind of came about just by chance, really. Uh, and sometimes the best things do, um, which, you know, the moral story is just be open to to, to things, uh, even if they're unexpected. I, I was actually um, doing a column a million years ago. I mean, we're talking back in the mid-90s. Um, for a local paper here, and I was put in touch with the person who was laying it out for the newspaper, you know, back in the day when they actually printed newspaper. Um, What's a newspaper? Yeah. <laughs> It'd take too long to get into, <laughs> but uh, we'll, 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 we'll discuss that over lunch. Okay. okay. <laughs> I think I have a few around the house. I'll bring one. So, um and this woman and I got to talking, and uh, turns out she was, uh, you know, she was kind of doing this on the side to help this uh, friend of hers out uh, who worked at the magazine. And uh, but she was a designer who did um, commercial work, and um, she shortly thereafter went to work for a uh, a big graphic design firm, and then began bringing me in 
to the design firm to um, to work on projects, and they were doing a lot of work for for Coca Cola and you know, a lot of other companies. And I, over the years, have done a good bit of work, continue to do, to do a good bit of work for them, even after she left, which was in '97, I think, to open up her own um, company. Uh, and um, and that's really the first thing is you know. If you're working with a design firm, get to know those um, the good designers because it's only a matter of time until they go off on their own. Uh, the good ones always do. They wake up one day and they say, wait a minute, why am I making what is, in essence, about $30 an hour while the company is making all this, you know, especially if they have a few clients going, Hey, if you ever decide to go off on your own, you can count on me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, um, and then because we had a relationship, and that's really the key to this is is forming a relationship. Um, she started calling on me and um, for her work uh, and her with her clients, and um, and literally for. Um, and actually, just a few weeks ago, I got a call from her. You know, so we're talking. You know, we're pushing twenty years here. Um, you know, with f- for another project, but but literally for a good fifteen, sixteen years. Um, and I talk about this in my promos and all that. It was a rare month when I didn't get a call from her saying, "Hey, I got another project. Hey, I got another project." Uh, and of course, these are all commercial projects. They're all high-paying projects. Um, and so, and we'll get into, you know, what you have to be to, to, uh, you know, to be that go-to writer, but uh, it really does come down to skills. It's, uh, uh, you know, and, you know, actually hunting for, for those people too. So, um, but that's kind of how it uh, got started. And then another designer went to work for her, um, doing some production and she and I really clicked and then she went off on her own and she's another one I work with who thinks of me first always. So, um, anytime, um, anytime a project comes up, um, that needs writing or, and here's the key really, when you're really good and you do, and you bring real value to that designer, they look for opportunities to bring you in on projects. They will, they will sell you to the client because they know that with the difference that your copy can make on a particular, you know, on any given project, um, as it's done for so many of theirs uh, before. So, uh, and that's golden when you, when you've got someone who's actively lobbying, advocating for you, um, when you're not even there, um, to get you involved. Uh, so, so, I mean, so yeah, this, this started years ago. You've, you've continued those relationships and, mm-hmm. um, but I'm wondering if I'm, if I'm starting out today, maybe I'm not a, a beginner writer, but I'm, I'm, I'm starting this process today and I want to look for some designers to partner up with. Um, h- how do you find them and, and what do you look for when you're searching for potential designers to, to approach? Yeah. Um, well, and I'm kind of smiling as I'm, I'm answering this, but any designer would be interested in um, a relationship like this, but mainly because they're hoping you're going to be bringing them work. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you may, and you may very well be, uh, and, and I, and I, 
uh, always encourage uh, writers who are starting out to uh, to forge those alliances, not only because that person can bring you work, but because when you're out there talking to a client, um, you can present a turnkey scenario. You can say, would you be interested in, in, in me and a graphic designer taking this project from start to finish, um, from first meeting to, to final handoff of, of deliverable? Uh, and if it's a smaller company that doesn't have those kind of resources in-house, uh, what do you think the answer is going to be? You know, of course, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, um, and then you can, then you can bring that person in. So that's where you, you morph from being a service provider to a solution provider, you know, you're, and that's sort of the 30,000 foot view, the, the, the features versus benefits thing, you know, a feature is I'm a writer, a benefit is I, I can, I can handle this project from start to finish. You know? Um, so, um, so anyone would be open to that. Uh, the key is really going to be, do you have the skills? Do you have the, um, the, um, you know, persistence to, to stay in touch with somebody, uh, you know, to, to get that in terms of, in terms of, to, to build that relationship in terms of the types of, of companies, obviously, or designers, obviously you, you want to be looking for designers who are established, which is, you know, that's the good news and the bad news. You know, if they're established, they already have um, you know, writers that they work with. And so um, you, in some cases, just have to kind of play the waiting game and the, you know, check in every now and then game and let them know you're there um, because things do change eventually. Um, now I did start with someone who was relatively, uh, young and, and that's going to make it easier. Obviously, if they don't know too many writers, then, uh, they may just, um, you know, the, and, and you're, and you're delivering the goods. They, um, they may very well just fall very easily into a relationship with you. Um, but the key there is, you know, do they have what it takes to really, uh, you know the staying power to to last as long as uh, as, as some are they, are they going to be in business? So yeah, it sounds like you don't necessarily need to pick one and say, no. you know, okay, this is the one that I'm going to approach and try to partner up with. You can approach many different designers. Absolutely, for- absolutely. I mean, I have right now. I have a couple of bids out with a designer, a new designer. I haven't even worked with them yet. Um, that I cold called um, earlier this year. We got together for coffee, and I mean, you never know. The guy's been in business for a very long time, but you never know. I mean, he didn't have as good contacts with with writers as he'd like, or I, he, he knew some, of course. But we really clicked, and so he's really been looking for opportunities to to bring me in. And uh, you know, we're bidding on some work that he actually had me do two bids. Uh, I mean, together, you know, these two bids are over fifteen thousand dollars in work. Um, so, oh wow, your part yeah. or the whole project? My part. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, nothing. It means nothing <laughs> until it's you know signed on the bottom line. But um, uh, you know, it, this is you know, it's 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 realistic, very realistic. So. But, uh, but again, yeah, so there's no limit. You can have a dozen out there if you want. Um, it's just so happened that 
I settled into a, a routine with uh, several of them. And, and don't misunderstand, there were others. It's just that those two were the, were the main ones. And there was a half, probably half a dozen other ones who'd call me from time to time. And um, so... Um, but but you know but altogether it was a, it was an enormous part of my um, of my work um, load really and uh, and I sat down one day and I and I realized and I talked about this in the book in the Well-Fed Writer um, that this one solo graphic designer the first one that I met was by far over the years in the aggregate my biggest client. Oh wow! Not, not a Fortune 500 company, whatever, because. People change, people, you know, there's turnover, people come and go. But as long as that person is in business, as this person has been uh, for many, many years, if they need writing, why are they going to go anywhere else? I mean, it's that same dynamic of, you know, you find a good hairstylist, you find a good massage therapist, you find a good mechanic, you find a good, you know, you name it, a plumber, you're going to stick with them because um, they've demonstrated that they know what they're doing and they make your life easier. And why would you go anywhere else? So you, you mentioned cold calling a little bit earlier. I'm curious, you know, how do you approach designers? What do you think is the best approach when, when contacting them? Uh, you know, I don't know that there's a best approach um, because everybody's different and uh, everybody likes to be contacted differently. I cold call just because that's how I built my business. That's what I'm comfortable with. I don't have any fear of the process. And by this point, when I was doing that, I did a whole bunch of cold calling to designers. When you've been in the business, frankly, I mean, let's you know, call a spade a spade. When you've been in the business for as long as I have and I'm, and you're not desperate for the work, it's a making phone calls to to potential partners is a much different vibe <laughs> you know yeah. it's just less stressful it's you know it's like hey i'm going to make some new friends today <laughs> so instead um, of i got to pay the mortgage next right. friday and i have well, you know like less than half of it right and and so i guess the moral of that is you should always be making calls as if you know, you, you, you have nothing looming over you <laughs> Good point. and that's, and that's not always easy to do, but, um, as much as possible, you want to be able to compartmentalize, okay, this is my financial reality and this is how I'm going to pretend it's my financial reality when I'm on the phone. Um, because that's what attracts people is when you don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say you don't care, but you know what I mean? You know, it's, it's, um, you've been in sales, you know, he who cares least wins, you know, the, the, the person who is, um, relaxed and, you know, Hey, either way, no problem. You know, so, and I had so many people say at the end of the phone call, you know, Hey, thanks for calling. It was really, it was really good talking to you and let's stay in touch and, you know, or, or maybe more, you know, so, um, but, uh, so it, it really depends. Um, you could do it by, Cold calling, you could do it by email. Of course, your you know email prospecting uh, approach, which you know it's funny. I'm hearing more and more about that type of thing. You know, just short, inviting, to the point, conversational um, kind of contacts that way. Uh, yeah. If you just can't stand the idea of, of picking up the phone and calling a total stranger, um, but at the same time, these relationships are built on relationship. Um, and, you know, and so uh, to me, 
the phone is the first real bona fide way to connect with somebody, um, which an email can't do. Well, uh, mail piece can't do. So I I agree with you there, and I, let me throw something out there because you know I'm not a big fan of cold calling. However, I think this is a, a bit of a different situation in that one of the biggest fears when I talk to other freelancers is so, you know why do you hate about cold calling? There are many many reasons, but one of them <laughs> that's recurring sure. is I just feel like I'm bugging them, like I'm talking to them about something they don't need, right and we, I don't want to get into why that's not really uh, valid <laughs> or valid, yeah. but but here's the thing: I think when you're contacting a designer, writing is something they need all the time. Like, there's no doubt. You know what I'm saying? Like some companies, you're calling them, but you don't know if they're actually do much yeah, writing. See, see, I'm not I'm not sure I'd even agree with that. But uh, but I, I understand I, your point is well taken. You know? Yeah, I, I think it's a perception. I'm not saying this is reality. I'm just saying right. like. This is something I would probably tell myself to help me feel a little bit more confident. Well, and and yeah, and if hey, whatever works, you know, if if, if that if that works, but but just and then you're right, we don't want to get you know into that. That could be another discussion for for another day. I think we have another <laughs> podcast episode here. Um, but um, but I really do believe that uh, writing is an integral part of any. Uh, businesses um, value proposition uh, and you know, in in my experience uh, in all the cold calling that I have done over the years I, I can't I don't even remember anyone responding you know any anybody who you know a company small large whatever if I got to the right person who acted like they didn't know what I was talking about or, or, or what I was talking about didn't have any applicability to them. It was either, you know, yes, we occasionally have needs or no, we're, we're covered on that. But, you know, it was a very legitimate question, you know, to, yeah. to, to ask via a phone, you know, do you have a need, you know, occasional or ongoing for someone to help with uh, marketing communications material? Nobody thought that was a dumb question. And I think that really comes down to also comes down to a couple of things, calling the right people and being the right person on the phone, meaning just assuming you deserve to be there. <laughs> Um, well, t t tell me, and, and then we'll we'll move on. But um, I'm curious, what would be what's a standard question that you ask then if approaching a designer when you cold call? Um, well, the same thing. I mean, the same thing. I would I would um, I would uh, say and ask to uh, a small company, which that, is which is simply. Hey, you know, Peter Bowerman, longtime copywriter here in Atlanta, just checking in with you and see if you have any ongoing or occasional needs for a good copywriter, you know, and, and, and sometimes I'll embellish it a little bit and you always get a chuckle out of them, you know, you know, a good, experienced, engaging, fun copywriter, you know, and they always laugh a little bit. Um, to help out with, you know, any projects you have going on and, and with a designer, there's, you know, like, like you said, clearly, they are, you know, in a lot of cases, and this is the bane of their existence and ours, of course, the the, the projects that they're getting, um, the client has written their own copy and isn't open to someone else. Say, Lavi, 
and lead a horse to water. So, but yes, the need um, and the potential need is is always there. So that's that's really just enough to. I mean, this is the thing. Don't make this any more complicated than it has to be in terms of of what you're going to say when you when you call somebody up. Um, no, but I, I like that because I think from there, then you let it take its course. Absolutely. Right? You know, I mean, but, if you but can't I think everyone out what needs... to say at that point, you know, so. I think everyone needs kind of an opener just to kind of ease their yeah. mind. It's like, okay, practice it and then just be yourself, right? Be yourself and, and get to the point, you know, get to the point quick. You know, don't, how you doing today? No, 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 no. You know, don't, uh, don't get into, and, and that's true for even sending emails, you know, don't, you know, don't just blather on and on, you know, get to the point about what you're, what you're saying. And, well, I, I think we definitely have a, a topic for a, a future show here. Yeah, okay, and I definitely right. want to, as I'm hearing you, I, I definitely want to bring you on for that because um, you you have some some great ideas and you've built your business, you know, with cold calling. Yeah. But but yeah. this brings up another question because you said, "Hey, I'm a copywriter here in Atlanta. Do you have to look for designers locally, or can you approach out of town designers?" Oh. Well, of course, you can. You can definitely can go out of town. I mean, geography has become less and less of an issue, and you know, vis-a-vis what we were, what we said a little earlier. Um, given that the strongest relationships are ones that are personal, that you know, that, that because this is built on a relationship, it, excuse me, it's always easier to build that relationship. Um, if you can meet with the person. So uh, in answer to your question, uh, yes, you can, you can do it. I have not, I have not, I'm trying to remember if I've done, um, if I've built this with designers on like on the other side of the country. I'm sure I have in 20 years, but it certainly hasn't been ongoing enough for me to, to remember it. Um, but the ideal situation is, um, is, to, uh, is to have it, have, have someone local. Now I'm at a point with a lot of my designers where uh, I'm, and a lot of my clients for that matter, that I'm, um, I'm just, um, we don't meet anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, we're doing it all by phone and, and by email. And, uh, but we built that relationship initially. Uh, so don't hear this as discouragement, just hear this as, if you do build it with someone from a long distance, a long distance away, it'll just be a different kind of relationship. It can be just as lucrative uh, because fundamentally, and then we're going to be getting into this. Fundamentally, that relationship is based on mutual benefit. It's it, they they continue to call me because I make them look better, and I make their their deliverables look better and their portfolio look better and their clients happier. Um, and that's, that's a given no matter where that designer is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, so absolutely you can do it. And so, cause I can, I can only imagine the people who are listening to this who may live in small towns where there just isn't a lot of work and they by definition have to go outside um, to, to really build a business. So yeah, do that. And, uh, and the bottom line is there's going to be some designers who, you know, cause I've heard this lately, um, from this guy that I, I just put that big bid in with, he said, there was another guy who was bidding on this, but I found out that he moved to, you know, Orlando, you know, and 
I, I really, you know, I'd really prefer to have the potential to, to be able to meet with somebody face to face. And so, um, so it's a self-selecting process, meaning those designers for whom that will not be a problem will be receptive. Those designers for whom that will be a problem won't. So tell us a little bit about the different ways to structure these, these projects, these deals. I mean, do you, do you bring the designer in and just mark up his or her services? Or is it better for each party to kind of deal with the client separately? Tell us a little bit about the different possibilities here. Yeah. Um, in my experience, as a rule, it's not even up to you, the writer, to determine how this works. Usually the designer um, is, even if I bring the designer in, um, I frankly don't want to project manage. Yes, you can make a little more money if you project manage, uh, but I just assume uh, let the designer handle that. And in 99.9% of the cases, uh, they're the logical choice to handle it as well because they're the last ones to touch the project. So you, you finish writing your copy and you send it to them. And once the copy is approved, um, then it's the designer and the client going back and forth to, to get that design exactly where it needs to be. And then the designer is working with the printer um, so as well, uh, if it's a printed piece. Or if there is some... Bottom line, they're the last ones to touch it, whether it's them it ends with, if it's a digital deliverable, or if it's um, something that's printed. So um, as far as how it's billed um, with this one designer um, that I've worked with for, for the longest time, over most of the time, I'm working for her. Okay, So I bill her and she pays me. Uh, sometimes... Uh, she will, um, just let me, and, and this is the way it works in a lot of cases, just let me bill the client directly. Uh, and we both, you know, have separate invoices. It, it can work either way. And, uh, I don't know that there's, um, I mean, I guess I prefer to deal with the client directly as far as billing goes, um, but sometimes it's a plus for the client to be able to pay one invoice. Um, but even that isn't a big deal. You know, I have learned over the years that clients, unless they're really, 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 really savvy and they've done this a million times before, that they will generally take your lead. Uh, and, and will. in other words, if you in essence say to them, I'll bill my part and she'll bill hers, they're fine with that uh, yeah. because, oh, that's the way it's done, I guess. Um, and, uh, and by the same token is, you know, Peter will work under me and you'll just pay one invoice. Okay. That's how it's done. So, um, well, and it goes, it's the same goes with, um, the designer himself or herself. He could just right when you, when you're in the early stages of the relationship just tell him, Hey, I'm open to, you know, an arrangement that works for the, for the two of us and you let them take the lead. Right. But, but, but I guess, I guess in my experience, um, designers traditionally, not just with me, just traditionally have been project managers and as project managers, they're taking the lead on the project. Gotcha. Um, which, which I agree with you, by which the way, makes I think sense. it's better. Yeah. It makes more sense. It's kind of like you, you frame the house and put up the drywall and they're the right. ones you're done. Right. So now they're, exactly. they're, uh, 
they're painting, they're putting up uh, uh, plumbing fixtures and flooring and carpeting. They're doing the inside design. That's and, right. That's right. And and it just underscores how easy our job is when you think about it. It's like we do our thing, we get a sign off, and we're gone. We yeah. bill it, and we're gone. And uh, someone else does all of the cleanup work. I love it. It's like, you know, you, you make the meal and someone does the dishes. <laughs> well, along these same lines, and, and the answer might be the same here, but how do you quote or pitch the work when, when there's two of you involved? I mean, what, what have you seen work best? Yeah. Um, I, again, it depends on the situation. Um, the, the, when I build this, when I quoted this work, I was just telling you about with this new designer, these two estimates. Um, I just sent him uh, just a, you know, literally just line items, you know, the four, the four or five deliverables, and this is my estimate. And he plugged that into his master estimate that he's going to send to the client. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, sometimes you're doing something a little more formal, um, and uh, and the and the designers taking your sheet, however it's designed, and just um, incorporating it without changes, you know, in, in into their estimate. So, um, and and sometimes it's separate. But but when you're working together with a designer, and you're uh, and you're in essence pitching that turnkey, um, it it obviously just makes sense to to. Submit one estimate uh, because that—that's kind of the whole point. Is we're taking this thing from start to finish as a team, uh, so the the estimate comes as a team. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious. Do you uh, do you treat them kind of like you would an agency, where maybe you're not pricing as high as you would if it was a direct client? <laughs> Um, interesting. Sometimes yes. Uh, sometimes no. My experience with my um, with my designers is I usually get my rate, um, and they don't they don't ask me to uh, to really to really lower that rate. Now they may they may raise that rate, um, and you know just this this last uh, deal that that this designer of mine and I, uh, 20 years after we started or close to it, um, just bid on is she said, um, you know, just, just give me, give me an estimate, uh, or send them an estimate. And, um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna mark you up, but oftentimes when it's coming through them as a master estimate, they are marking uh, me up and that's fine. That's standard. Uh, because that's, that's part of the, uh, uh, project management fee, but sometimes if a if a project is such that, uh, and this was the case with this one I just did with his new designer, um, he really, really, really wants to get this project, so he's not going to um, mark me up. Um, he's you know he's going to just pass through my my figures uh, just as is. Um, so um, and it's good that he told you that. So I'm wondering how do yeah. you, how do you broach a subject? You know how do you feel? feel it out so you can figure you know so you can determine where you should probably be in terms of pricing you know i mean obviously you can't just say well listen are you gonna mark this up because if you're not i'm gonna go ahead and quote my full rate no i mean i mean this is the thing you should have a good by the time someone gets to a point where they're saying i want to work with you and here's something we have to um here's something i'd like to get an estimate on um 
you have a good relationship with that person and you need to be and can be uh, very honest with them. So when, uh, you know, for instance, when I just um, estimated with this, with this new guy, um, I said, and it was interesting because I consulted with one of my colleagues who uh, has worked with him in the past and uh, about the estimate itself. Yes, even people who've been doing this 20 years still like to bounce things off of other people. Um, And, um, you know, and he gave me some verbiage, which, and it isn't like some legal verbiage or anything, but it's just, it was just kind of um, once things are a little more firm, I'm happy to adjust these figures. In other words, we didn't have as much information because it's secondhand. Actually, it's kind of thirdhand because he's been, he's been asked by a firm to give an estimate, and that firm is working for the client. So there's actually like almost three, there's three layers in here. So it's like a marketing company who then is hiring him who was then hiring me. Um, and um, so, so yeah, in, in, in that case, um, we didn't know. If we found out that the parameters of the project were not exactly how they were originally, uh, we thought they were, um, then we could adjust it, you know, up or down. And, uh, and that's the thing. If you are unsure of the parameters, when you're giving a quote and you and it's not going to be easy to get you know that information quickly before you need to give that quote then you just offer that quote up based on certain assumptions okay i don't know exactly what this will eventually be but i'm going to assume for the moment that it is a six panel brochure of this size okay um and then if it turns out it's an eight panel or it's bigger or whatever, then you can adjust it up. But that way, um, at least you're, you're protecting yourself that if it is this particular project type, shape, size, format, um, amount of copy, that um, I'll be okay with this estimate. So. Okay. That makes sense. Um, we already talked a little bit about who takes the lead in these mm-hmm. projects. But um, I'm wondering in terms of communication with the client, you know, as writers – uh, we can't just write in a vacuum. We have we have to have contact with with the client so we can ask questions and get clarification. Um, how do you find that typically works? I'm sorry, um, I, you, you, I I cut out for a segment because I was trying to turn off my email uh, <laughs> okay. because it was it was making that little noise. Okay, you're not, so you're as, not multitasking as, on me, are you? No, only only so I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so you know, uh, in terms of the communications with the client, yeah. uh, when you need to get clarification, you need to ask questions, you need to interview right. people. Um, how do you typically manage that? Well, that's a very interesting question because. Over the years, um, the designer I've worked with a lot often had me funnel any questions through her, and which which can set up kind of the telephone game. Mm-hmm. And and so, ideally, I always um, and it is the ideal situation to be able to get direct access. And so, I will always ask for that. Um, and um, but I will also just live with whatever scenario um, comes up. I mean, obviously, if you're if you brought the client in, 
if, if you're the one who brought the designer in for your client, then, then that's not really an issue. Um, but if it is the other way, uh, you know, it can work, it can work both ways, but obviously you want to be able to get access to the client and, um, and, and if it's a new, uh, designer that you're working with, um, you want to just make sure you assure them that uh, you're always professional, that you do this all the time, that you will represent. Because think about it from their point of view. They don't, you know, they've decided they want to work with you, but they don't know exactly how you work and, and all that. And here they are bringing you in with one of their perhaps very good clients uh, or um, a, a potentially really big client that they hope to get. And so they want to make sure that you are going to represent uh, yourself and them uh, in, in, in the best possible light. So, so at least be sensitive if there's some hesitation as to that's why there, there may be some. But always lobby to get, uh, to get that direct access because you, you, your, your, your end result, your, the copy you write will – uh, only be better if you can get it straight from the horse's mouth and you know, the information you need. So That's actually a good segue into my next question, which is how do you become a designer's go-to writer and how, how do you develop that long-term relationship uh, like, like you have? You know, you have people you've been working with for almost 20 years. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of those things. It's, um, uh, you know, we, we touched on this earlier. Um, you know, it's a combination of a number of things. Um, obviously if, if, if you asked, if you ask them and actually, uh, in the, in the ebook that I created, I mean, I actually interviewed some, some two, two, my two favorite plus another one, um, and asked them what, you know, what they look for. Um, and to me, the first thing clearly is, is the skill, the, someone who can, step into a situation uh, quickly, get up to speed, come up with good copy. I mean, I come from a sales background, so um, that makes it easier for me to write to sell. And, uh, and, and so given that most of the work I've been doing for these folks is, uh, is marketing copy, uh, that's a big plus. Um, so, you know, it's like anything. Um, the, the people who are at the top of their craft, uh, in terms of, uh, income and, you know, amount of work are the ones who have good skills and who, who built a good reputation. And, and yeah, it's more than just skills. Uh, it's also about being easy to get along with flexible, someone who can roll with the punches, who isn't a prima donna, who's not a whiner, uh, who's not going to take every little bump in the road, um, as a, an invitation to complain about something, um, someone who does, uh, who's very detail oriented, um, turns in clean copy. I mean, have we all made mistakes at one point turned in copy with a typo or something? Never, never. <laughs> well, you, my friend, are, <laughs> I bow down right. to you. Um, right. so, so it's, it's happened to all of us and Absolutely. It, happened, it happened once to me oh, <laughs> and I discovered it after 5,000 brochures have been printed. That was a fun moment. But anyway, <laughs> um, 
but make it the very, very rare exception. Because I, I mean, I remember it sticks in my mind going on vacation and one of my designers wanted to, you know, wanted me involved on a project. And I was like, Hey, can't do it. You know, I'm leaving soon. I'll be gone for two weeks or whatever. And when I came back, they were just wailing and moaning about how this copywriter they had to use was turning in, you know, work that was full of typos. And I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there going, really? You know, it's hard to imagine that, that there's this sloppiness that, that, that someone wouldn't take the time to, um, you know, it's either, either you don't know you've made a mistake, which is really bad, <laughs> or, or you just don't, you don't have the, the, the rigor uh, involved with that you need to have to, to, to turn something in that, that is uh, pristine and, uh, um, and don't think that, you know, just because you're a great copywriter, uh, you can get away with a bunch of mistakes or a bad attitude or whatever. It's, it's really a combination of, of, of all of that. And I've seen writers whose skills may not be as stellar, but because they're so easy to work with and so easygoing and they turn in such clean work that – a lot of clients, they can build a business because clients uh, like working with them. Man, um, I, I think that is so such an important point. It's big, and this obviously goes beyond just working with designers. But to me, ease of doing business, you know, being someone that's easy to work with, likable, to me is, is so important. The way I view it, Peter, is it's like, you need to be at a certain level of skill in terms of your writing. Yes. Right. A kind of a bare minimum. Once you're in there, it's like being at the high school dance. You have just as good <laughs> a chance to dance with, with the pretty girls as anybody else. Right. And, and I think what that underscores is the fact that in our business, let's face it in our business. Yes. If you're a brilliant writer, you're going to get, you're going to, you're going to be able to get into doors and work on types of projects that other people maybe aren't as brilliant uh, won't be able to, and the work may be more fun and all that. But in our field, a, a good, solid writing ability is enough in most cases. That in most cases, uh, clients aren't looking for brilliant, wildly creative copy. They're looking for good, clear, concise communication. And uh, and if you couple that with, uh, you know, solid. Just think of the word solid, you know, not, not flashy, solid. But if you couple that with easy to get along with and everything else, no reason you can't build a business, assuming you're out there pounding the pavement one way or another. No so. substitute for that, for sure. Right. Um, so actually, that leads me to my last question, which is um, th- this is starting to sound really good to me. And I know people listening are thinking, you know, I wonder – if I can build and grow a whole business, writing business, on the <laughs> strategy alone, can, can I mean, can you survive just by calling on graphic designers, developing relationships with a few solid ones, is, is, and do nothing else? Um, no, that's the that's the short answer. <laughs> um, I mean, is it possible? It's possible. It, I mean, if, if you're not trying to build a huge business and you can get a few relationships going, the, the key really is that um, it, it, it's, a, it's a strategy that's somewhat out of your control after a certain point, um, meaning that once you make these contacts, unless you're, uh, you know, if, if you're counting on the work coming from their side, 
most. And frankly, it has worked that way over the years. The work has come from their side most. But if you're counting on that uh, as your, you know, as the way to really make a a complete living, uh, what are you going to do if it's if it's not coming? You can't just keep beating on them. So um, so you really need to be seeking out work directly. And the fact is that, uh, you know, in my, in my experience, 80% of the people that uh, you call, that you cold call or contact, whatever, aren't going to be interested in your services. Okay, so only 20% are. And of that 20%, there's probably only um, 20% of those that um, will, will need a designer, Okay, so of all of the possible projects that a that a graphic designer uh, comes across, um, it's going to be a relatively small percentage that are going to need copy because they already have copy. They've got their own, or they got another their own writer, or or um, for any any number of reasons. And so, um, but for me, it ended up being like once or twice a month. Um, I would get a call for a project. Well, that's great, um, but once or twice a month isn't going to, um, you know, what is that? What, what, what could that come out to be? That could come out to be thirty or forty thousand dollars a year or more, depending on on the client. But that's not that's not enough unless your goal is to just make thirty forty thousand. So, uh, and so no, I think. Uh, uh, given that it can it can mean that much business, it's absolutely worth uh, pursuing. But you need to be a little more proactive in, in landing that kind of end user work too, where you're going right to the company to um, to get that uh, to get that work, and maybe bringing in a designer uh, yourself uh, if that's if that's needed. So. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a, it's a wonderful strategy, but nothing is a uh, an end all be all. So, well, yeah, it sounds like a very yeah, it's, it's a good complementary strategy and just a way to diversify your your efforts. But uh, I agree. With but it you. was my think. It was you know, but the wonderful thing, yes, it's complementary. But but if you have it in place, it's fabulous because it doesn't require much maintenance. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the key, really, is it's not like other strategies. The other strategies, I have to pick up the phone. I have to keep making those calls or sending out those emails or sending out those direct mail pieces. Once I have that relationship in, in place, I didn't have to do much, um, you know, the, 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 other than deliver good, solid work and be easy to deal with and, and uh, clean copy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, uh, that's the beauty of this thing is that it's, it's kind of a self perpetuating you know, machine. So, well, you, you have an ebook on this specific subject that I wanted to, to ask funny you, you sh- Funny you should ask. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I, this is, how long has it been out? Just a couple of years, really. A couple right? of years. Yeah. yeah I mean, you've documented, uh, your your systems, your tips, strategies, ideas into yeah. an ebook. It's a PDF format. Tell us a little bit about it because it's it just expands on what we talked about today. Right. It's uh, it's called Profitable by Design, and 
and it uh, it's about 70 pages uh, long, and uh, and it kind of goes through a lot of the stuff we discussed today, but obviously in a lot more detail, um, and just uh, answers all those questions as to uh, you know what does it take to be that writer, and I even include samples of some work that I. Um, that I know that designers looked at and went, wow, this is great. You know, uh, that kind of cemented that relationship. Uh, so, um, so yeah, I think it's, uh, um, I think it's a good book and I've gotten a lot of great feedback on it. Um, it's, uh, you, you sent it to me when you first, uh, uh, released it and I, I blurbed it. I thought it was fantastic. And, um, just to, if you're even thinking about pursuing the strategy, guys, I mean, I can I can say this with confidence. You, this is a no-brainer. You yeah. have to have this. Um, it, it's really going to keep you from making mistakes that um, that are well, hard that, to recover from. Yeah, and and it's just it, it kind of lays out what you need to do uh, to 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 uh, to build this kind of thing, and it's it's and it's a very reasonable price and it's even more reasonable right now yeah t- so you're doing a, uh, uh, some special offer right yeah now. I've got a, and, I've and got tell t- us where people can grab it too we haven't yeah well if you go to my well-fed writer site um uh wellfedwriter.com and it's forward slash pbd as in profitable by design pbd promo dot shtml so wellfedwriter.com forward slash pd I'm sorry. I'm going to screw this up yet. Hey, you know what? We'll include a link to the sh- in the show notes. All right. So. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah. it's PBD promo, profitable by design promo. HTML. So, um, and, uh, and it's 25% off, um, until the end of, um, October. And, uh, I thought, well, I thought I closed my email. That must be your email. <laughs> oh, I know what happened. It just sent an automatic one. So it opens back up again. Aha. Uh-huh. Well, so, so we're pre-recording this, but, um, you know, this will run, uh, way before, uh, end of October. So if, um, if you're interested, go check that out. You get it for 25%. I mean, honestly, even at full price, this is a, yeah. And a it's no-brainer. only yeah at full price, it's forty bucks. At twenty five percent off, it's thirty bucks. I mean, you know, yeah, no, it, no big it's, deal. It's, it's a no brainer, but save yourself ten bucks and go out to lunch. Yeah, exactly. So with yeah, in, in to to an ethnic uh, place. With, <laughs> of course, it's it, right. not a chain. And if you need characters. any suggestions, email me. You know. <laughs> yeah, Peter will tell you how to spend the ten bucks. Uh, and if you live in another city, I'll Google and I'll find the right place. Oh, just he will. <laughs> he will. So um, cool, man. Well, then, this is it again. It's a fantastic ebook. Thanks for uh, for for. I'm glad you're doing that promo right now. It's very timely. And yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, guys, check it out. Peter, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed talking about this, and this is fantastic. And we get definitely got to do this again. Man, I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I love talking to Peter. You know, as I mentioned in here, we break bread every once in a while, uh, two, three times a year. Love sharing ideas with him. This guy is, um, he has seen a lot. He's been exposed to a lot. He knows what works. And uh, I tell you, this is, um, as he mentioned, this is not a cure-all. This is not going to solve every prospecting challenge you have. But I think this partnering idea could work very, very well over the long run and add a little bit of diversity to your prospecting mix. So I encourage you to consider 
how you can adapt this to your to your own business and um, start taking action on it. I think it could um, it could really diversify again your prospecting mix, give you um, bring business in the door that uh, you'd never otherwise find, and um, have a little bit more fun. I think it's fun working with others that are well aligned with your own values and uh, business philosophy. So as a reminder, you can grab the detailed show notes to this episode at b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 26. And I had a couple of quick announcements before we wrap up. I've been hearing from a lot of you actually over the last couple of years, but especially in the last two or three surveys that I've done, that closing the deal continues to be an ongoing challenge for you. So, you know, I, I talk a lot about generating leads, prospecting and so forth. In, in the episodes at International Freelancers Academy. But uh, one area that I really haven't covered in depth has been the second phase of landing work, which is you have a live prospect. How do you close that deal? So what I've decided to do is uh, put together a free live training on this very specific issue. And it's going to be in a webinar format, and I'm going to be doing that in early November. So I don't have all the specifics yet, but I wanted to give you a heads up, kind of plant that seed, and let you know to be on the lookout for that for because uh, I'll be announcing it very, very soon. So check that out. I think you're going to get a lot out of that. Uh, probably going to be doing about an hour and a half session on that. And again, it's completely free. Also wanted to remind you that I've made my pricing guide available. Uh, essentially, this is my master fee schedule with 32 different B2B or commercial writing projects, fee ranges that I charge for each, as well as some strategies and tips on how to use this information and how to adapt it to your own business. This is completely free. You can grab it at b2blauncher.com. If you like it, I hope you'll uh, help me spread the word and let others know about it by sending them to b2blauncher.com so they can grab their own copy. If you enjoyed this episode, I would be very grateful if you shared it with friends. And the best way to do that is to email them a, a link to the show notes page, which is again, b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 26, or just use any of the social media sharing buttons that you'll see on that page. And it would mean a ton to me if you give me a quick rating or review in iTunes. I wanted to give a, a big shout out to some of the recent reviewers, Jeffrey Troll, Munch Mac, Fearless Millie, and Big Bad Boss Lovin'. You gotta love that username in iTunes. Big Bad Boss Loving. So thank you guys. Um, I truly appreciate you taking the time to uh, give me a quick review. It means the world to me. This brings us to the end of the episode. I am your host, Ed Gandia. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you have an awesome day. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.